Whenever we have communion, this is the go-to passage. But I want us to read it tonight and I want us to pray that it would come with uh, freshness to us tonight. I pray that this communion passage will become fresh, that it will not be like uh, stale bread. We don't want that tonight. We want fresh bread um, for our souls tonight. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Beginning, please, at verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So Paul here, he's rebuking the Corinthians for the, the manner in which they held the Lord's Supper. And then verse 21, for in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now here's the lovely passage that we, we often read at communion. Verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. So the key word there, folks, is unworthily. Now, it, do, it doesn't say unworthy. You mark that. Now, this is not an adjective. This is an adverb. Unworthily. And it's not talking about whether we're worthy to come to the table. Get that out of your head right away. That's one of the biggest lies of the devil. And he filled my head with it for years. You're not worthy to be at the table. Well, I know, I know fine rightly I'm not worthy to be at the table, and none of us are, but Christ makes us worthy. Now, it's talking here about the, the manner that you receive the communion. Really, the apostle here is warning us against um, receiving it in a careless way, in a flippant, sort of a, a laissez-faire, sort of laid-back kind of way, with no preparation and, um, you know, Receiving the bread and the wine and thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or thinking about what you did yesterday. That's to take it on worthily. 
So this has absolutely nothing to do with your own personal worthiness to be at the table tonight. No, this is about the way that you receive the emblems. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. In 1428, men with shovels walked into the graveyard of Lutterworth Church. They were not digging a hole to make a grave. They were digging a hole to empty a grave. Forty-three years after his burial, John Wycliffe's bones were dug up, burned, and his ashes scattered into the river Severn to rid the earth of his remains. What had he done that inspired such hatred almost half a century after his death? His main crime was claiming that the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper are not transformed into the literal body and blood of Christ. And for that, he was hated. Folks, I want to tell you that the ordinance that we're about to partake of tonight is hated by the devil. It is hated by Satan. All the more reason for us to to come to the Lord's table, all the more reason for us to be faithful and diligent in doing so. I want us tonight to think about this blessed ordinance, this wonderful memorial that the Lord Jesus has given to us. And I want us to try to understand tonight why it is that the devil hates the Lord's Supper. Why is it that Satan hates communion? First of all, because it causes us to look up. It causes us to look up. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and in verse 23, this is what he says. And now notice this. If you have your Bible, look at it there. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23, because we often gloss over this part of the verse. We often kind of hop over this part of the verse. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23, the first part of the verse, for I have received of the Lord. Notice those words, for I have received of the Lord. Communion was received by Paul from the risen Lord Jesus. The instructions for the Lord's Supper were received by the Apostle Paul directly from the risen Christ. 
The Apostle Paul wasn't in the upper room whenever the Lord Jesus first said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. Paul wasn't there. In another place, he says he was born as one out of, born out of due time. He, was, he kind of came late, as it were, to the table. But he wasn't the loser because somewhere along the line, the Lord Jesus, risen from the dead and at the Father's right hand, he speaks directly to Paul and he gives him instructions for the Lord's Supper that are recorded for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And as it were, Paul had to look up As Jesus spoke to him and told him, Now, Paul, this is the ordinance that I'm giving to you for the church. And of course, tonight, in a sense, Paul has handed down this passage to us that we have read tonight. And tonight, on the 2nd of July, 2023, at our evening service in this church, we are looking up, folks. We are looking up. We, we are reminded that the communion service is a gift from the Lord. It has come down from heaven. It has been received of the Lord, Paul says. Where was it that Paul received the instructions for the Lord's Supper? Was it on the Damascus Road when he was converted? Or was it when he went into Arabia? For for that period of time after his conversion. That's what he tells us in in, in Galatians chapter 1. He says that he, he went into Arabia. He spent time alone with the Lord there. Was it during that period of solitude that the Lord Jesus spoke these words that are recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? And of course then Paul, as he went on his missionary journey, he communicated what Jesus had told him. He he passed that on to the, the different churches. Here's the first reason why communion is hated by the devil. Because it causes us to look up. We have received this blessed ordinance As a gift from our dear Redeemer. Just the same as the gospel that Paul preached had been received from Christ. Did you know that as well? That the Lord Jesus spoke directly to Paul somewhere along the line and he communicated the gospel to him. You just have to read 1 Corinthians 15, just a few chapters later now. Chapter 15, verse 3. We all know it. For I I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. There it is again, the word received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So Paul has received the, the, the gospel that he preached And it's the gospel that's found in the New Testament. In fact, we could say the gospel that's found in the Old Testament too. Throughout the Bible, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That's the gospel that Paul had received and that Paul preached. 
The gospel the message was given to Paul. It was revealed to Paul. It was about revelation, not education. I'll tell you, Paul was a very educated man. There's not many have been more educated than him. But, but he didn't uh, understand the gospel by education, but it was by revelation. The Lord Jesus taught the apostle what the gospel was. So we look up, when we come to the communion table, we look up, we remember, Ah, Lord, this ordinance has been received from heaven. It's a gift from you, Lord. Received. When you receive something, you don't buy it. You don't have to do anything to get it. You just take it. For it's received. The Lord's Supper is a gift to his church. More's the pity that so many neglected. I, the devil hates communion because we look up, but then he hates communion because we look back. We look back, don't we, folks, when we come to the table? Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he break it. And said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. There's a word there that's found in both those verses. Same word. Remembrance. Remembrance. When we come to the Lord's table, we remember, we look back. The devil doesn't want us to look back. And especially he doesn't want us to look back at the cross. He doesn't want us to look back to Calvary. Because when we as believers do that, we receive fresh strength for the battle. We know that our sins were washed away at Calvary, dealt with there at the cross. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Calvary covers it all, is not what we say. And Jesus paid it all. And that is why the devil doesn't like us to look back. He does not like this simple ordinance. Because we look up and then we look back. Oh, the devil, he's no problem with the mass, which is a perversion of the Lord's Supper. Transubstantiation, as it's called. There's other people believe in another mixed up idea called consubstantiation. Not even going to go into it tonight. But there's a whole lot of mixed up ideas about communion out there. My dear friends, it's very, very simple. We look back. We remember. Now, over this weekend, a lot of people have been remembering. First of July, 1916, the Battle of the Psalm. We remember the Psalm the great, and the great sacrifice that was made. Tomorrow night there's a 
parade in the village, the annual Battle of the Somme parade. There's been a lot of parades yesterday and today to mark the anniversary of the Somme and to pause and to reflect and to look back at the sacrifice that was made for the freedoms that we often take for granted. What an awful day the first day of the Somme was. It was the bloodiest day in British military history. Ulster's Somme heroes, of course, come to mind. We think of Captain Eric Bell and Private William McFadgen. Both those men died in the Battle of the Somme and they were only, wait for it, 20 years of age. They gave their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy. Captain Bell's citation for his Victoria Cross read as follows. For most conspicuous bravery, he was in command of a trench mortar battery and advanced with the infantry in the attack. When our front line was hung up by enfilading machine gun fire, Captain Bell crept forward and shot the machine gunner. Later on, no less than three occasions when our bombing parties, which were clearing the enemy's trenches, were unable to advance, he went forward alone and threw trench mortar bombs among the enemy. When he had no more bombs available, he stood on the parapet under intense fire and used a rifle with great coolness and effect on the enemy advancing to counterattack. Finally, he was killed, rallying and reorganizing infantry parties which had lost their officers. All this was outside the scope of his normal duties with his battery. He gave his life in his supreme devotion to duty. William McFadden's citation read as follows. He also received the Victoria Cross. For most conspicuous bravery, while in a concentration trench and opening a box of bombs for distribution prior to an attack, the box slipped down into the trench, which was crowded with men, and two of the safety pins fell out. Private McFadden, instantly realizing the danger to his comrades, with heroic courage, threw himself on top of the bombs. The bombs exploded, blowing himself to pieces, but only one other man was injured. He well knew his danger, being himself a bomber, but without a moment's hesitation, he gave his life for his comrades. We do well to look back to the Battle of the Somme. I think the problem and the reason why we glibly throw away our freedoms is because we do not realize the sacrifice that men made in the past when they fought, bled and died for our civil and religious liberty. But tonight, of course, we look back to the greatest sacrifice of all, the sacrifice of the captain of our salvation, and we remember him. 
And this is why the devil hates our time at the communion table. And that is why he will do all in his power to keep Christians away from it. And boy, he's very successful. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree with me, folks, that the majority of Christians in Ulster don't even bother to come to the table? Very sad. We can understand a person who doesn't make a profession, a person who doesn't claim to be saved. Oh, we can understand that they would never come to the table. But for somebody who says, oh, I'm a Christian, but you never see them at the table. It's very hard to to understand it, isn't it? Very strange. And the devil has been very successful in his attempt over the last 2,000 years to keep believers away from the table. We, We look up, we look back, but then we look around when we come to the Lord's Supper. Yes, we look around, and here's another reason why the devil hates it. Well, the reason I say look around is because of a word that's found in the passage that we've read tonight. There's a word there in verse 17. It's also in verse 18. It's also in verse 20. It's also in verse 33. And it's also in verse 34. It's the word together. Together. When we come to the communion service, it's about being together. One of the important The important aspects of communion is the fact that we come together. And there's a unity. You see, that's the key word we're thinking about now, unity. There's a unity at the communion table. We're all one in Christ. And as one, uh, as a united group of people, we're receiving the emblems. And we're looking around at each other, as it were. Yes, we, we, we have looked up. Uh, and we, we, we understand that communion is a gift from the Lord, received of the Lord. We look back to remember him and his agony at Calvary and all that he endured for us. We look back. But then we, we must look around. We must think about our brothers and sisters who, who join with us for the communion service. And we're together and we're united. And every time we have communion... Our bond becomes stronger. Our bond as believers, it, it becomes more unbreakable. You know, the devil wants to get rid of the unity. That's one aspect of the church that he loves to destroy. And again, I have to say, he's been very successful in Ulster in recent decades. Christians fighting about uh, this petty issue and the other petty issue, falling out to one another. I remember hearing of a man, he, he was in the prayer meeting, he said, Oh Lord, speak to us tonight. And this same man hadn't spoken to another brother in the prayer meeting for years. He had fallen out with him. It had been better if he had gone and spoken to that other gentleman. Never mind the Lord speaking to him. If there is anything between us, brothers and sisters, if there is division, discord, 
There's no better time to get it sorted out than when we come into the Lord's table. Life is too short, you know. I want to tell you, life's too short to fall out and to bicker and fight. We only have a short time on this earth to live for the Lord. Oh, don't let the devil get in and divide. And I'm sure there's many a thing you, you could complain about me. He doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Or he... oh, there's many areas I know that I need to improve on. But I want to tell you, good folks, that there are times in the Christian life whenever you just have to say, well, Lord, yes, that other person has their faults, but then, Lord, I have my faults too. And, Lord, will you just help me to keep my own backyard right? And uh, now, uh, when you're trying to keep your own backyard right, you'll have plenty of trouble. It'll keep you occupied. So if we all just look after our own lives and keep our head down and seek by God's grace to maintain the unity and then we come together around the table and that will strengthen our unity. Yes, we look up, we look back, we look around at the table and that's why the devil hates it. But then we look in We are told here in 1 Corinthians 11 that we need to look in. In other words, look inwards at our own lives. Look inwards at our own hearts. Now look at what it says in verse 28. Let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. Paul does not say, let a man examine others. Doesn't say that. Although sometimes there's churches you'd go into and that's what happens. Boy, there's a fence around the table and there's plenty of examining of others going on. And other people are inspected. I wonder, should we let her come to the table or him? And all the rules and all the red tape, which is not found in the Bible, by the way. But to examine other people is unscriptural. It is wrong. No, the Lord says, examine yourself. I have to examine myself and you must examine yourself. We are not to run around like religious detectives examining other people's hearts and lives. No, no, not at the communion table above all places. Let a man examine himself. Now, what is it that we're to examine? What is it that we're to look for in ourselves? Well, the Bible talks about a humble and a contrite spirit. That's the first thing you've got to examine and look into your heart and, uh, and work out, do I have that spirit, a humble and a contrite spirit? In other words, a spirit that realizes its need of Christ. Does your heart tell you tonight that you need Christ more than ever? That without him you have no hope. Well if you have that kind of a spirit tonight. Then you have passed the test. You're welcome to the table. But if tonight your heart is telling you. Oh you're you're a, a very spiritual person. 
Oh, you're on a high plane with the Lord. Your heart's telling you that you never let him down. Your heart's telling you, oh, look at your performance. Aren't you doing well as a Christian? Oh, and you're, uh, you're thinking to yourself, boy, the Lord must be impressed with me. I'm sorry to tell you, you have failed the test. Don't ever come to the table with that attitude. You see, when you have that attitude, you have actually fallen from grace. The reason we can come to the table is grace. We come saying with the hymn writer, depth of mercy can there be. Mercy still reserved for me. Can my God his wrath forbear? Me, the chief of sinners, spare. A humble and a contrite spirit. Oh, didn't the psalmist say in Psalm 51, I tell you, David had a humble and a contrite spirit. And it's only the Holy, the Holy Spirit who can create such a spirit in your lives. But in Psalm 51, uh, David said, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. The kind of heart, the kind of spirit that coming to the Lord's Supper says, I am not worthy to be here, Lord. I don't deserve to be here. If that's your spirit tonight, if that's your attitude tonight, come on ahead because it's for sinners. This ordinance is for sinners. Hallelujah. Sinners saved by grace. It's not for the righteous. It's for those who feel their need of a saviour. Every one of us, every time we come to the communion table, we need to examine ourselves to see if there's any shred of self-righteousness about us. And like old Spurgeon used to say, used to tell us people to throw the lumber of self-righteousness overboard, get rid of it. Look in... Lest we come to the table with pride. For it is a stinking thing in the nostrils of Almighty God. Let me finish. Time has gone. We need to look ahead. When we come to the table, we look ahead. Verse 26 For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. You know, communion is like a photograph. Every time we come to the Lord's Supper, it's just as if we're taking out a photograph of a loved one who has passed away. And we cherish it. I'm sure you do. If there's a loved one in your family who has passed away, I tell you, you you will cherish the photographs on the mantelpiece or in your wallet or on the fridge door. 
I want to tell you, good folks, tonight, the Lord Jesus, our best friend, has given us a photograph to remember him by until he comes. And the photograph is called Communion, the Lord's Supper. This simple memorial that we're coming to again tonight, it's just like a photograph which reminds us of our Savior till he come. It's a lovely photograph, you know, isn't it? Bread and wine to remind us of him. Mind you, a lot of people don't take the photograph down and look at it very often. For they don't come to the Lord's table very often. I don't think the photograph means much to them. But we're taking the photograph out again tonight. To look at our beloved Lord who bled and died for us. To admire the photograph that we find in his word. For that's where the photograph comes from. The Holy Scriptures. This book is our photograph of our beloved Redeemer. Till he come. At the communion table we look ahead. We look forward to his coming. And when he comes again, we will no longer need to meet around the table. We'll no longer need to have a communion service. We'll no longer need to take the photograph out and look at it to remind us of our beloved. We look up. We look back. We look around. We look in. And we look ahead. And that's why the devil hates this ordinance. Coming for me. Coming for me. One day to earth. He is coming for me. Then with what joy his dear face. I shall see. Oh how I praise him. He's coming for me. Let's pray. Now, dear Father, we thank you for what you've been saying to us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for how you've been teaching your people through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Scriptures. Encourage your people. Bless them as they meet around the table tonight. Perhaps, Lord, you've been speaking to some unconverted or backslidden soul tonight. And if there's someone who has been disturbed tonight by what you've been saying to them, Lord... We pray that, Lord, that disturbance will lead them to Calvary. So move, Lord, work on tonight when the voice of man is silent. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of verses, please, of on the golden streets of heaven. All men hope to walk someday, yet so many are not willing to accept the living way. But while others build on good works or opinions, if they may, hallelujah, hallelujah, I'm depending on the blood. We'll just have the first two verses, please. So could we have verse 1 and then verse 2, and we leave it at that, and then we're into our communion service. Let's stand. 